Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. This is episode 19, and today our guest is Michael Newton of Panhandle Hydroponics. So Michael owns a little hydroponic store up here in the Florida Panhandle, in Panama City Beach to be specific, and we are basically going to geek out and talk about hydroponics. It's super cool. It's basically the process of growing plants in water without the use of soil. So we're going to talk about it, the basics of it, some types of systems and all that. We're going to talk about the pH level or the pH scale and how important it is. And basically that just means on a range from about 4 to 10, um, 7 being the best, that basically kind of describes where nutrients are going to be most available. So 7 for certain plants is when most of the nutrients like nitrogen, potassium, sulfur, calcium, that's when they're all going to be readily available. So we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about a bunch of different systems. And what I'll do, I'll link a little article that kind of talks about different hydroponic systems like WIC systems, deep water cultures, and stuff like that, the way you can check them out. Um, but hydroponics is super cool. If you're into it, if you want to try it, this is a really cool podcast that you might enjoy. Hope you enjoy it. It's with Michael Newton of Panhandle Hydroponics. Um, hope you enjoy it, and please pardon us for talking about hydroponics for so long because it's so awesome to talk about. Um, anyway, enjoy it. Thanks for listening. All right, well, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. Michael Newton, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Yourself? Doing well, thank you. So you own and operate Panhandle Hydroponics here in Panama City. Hydroponics is a super cool little industry in the ag industry, and I want you to kind of tell us about what exactly is hydroponics, the basics of it, and kind of how it kind of differs from growing regular plants. The basic difference in hydroponic is it's also called soilless gardening. Basically, all your plants derive all your all their nutrition from the nutrient solution, not from the soil. We use inert materials as a meat as a grow media. 
is the main difference. You know, it can be anywhere from active systems to passive systems, but when you're supplying all the all your nutrients from the nutrients and not the soil, and we're not using any kind of manure or anything that breaks down. It's all stuff we add. Right, and you can use things like the big clay pellets. You can use sponges. You can use basically whatever you want that just kind of holds it intact as the water soaks up the nutrients, right? Exactly. One of the first people I met that was into hydroponics, he worked in a marble factory, and he had a 55-gallon drum of marbles, and that's what he used as media. Well, hey, whatever works. That's pretty yes. good. So the important thing with hydroponics is the water, right? That's where you put the nutrients, and it's very important to kind of gauge what nutrients you put in there. So how exactly can you monitor monitor and add those nutrients into the water for the plants to soak up? The simplest way to do it is using what we call a dissolved solid tester. They sometimes call it electroconductivity. It's just a way of measuring your nutrient strength. Um, I'm old school, so I use a dissolved solid tester, and we run on usually like Depending on the system, you know, it's measured in parts per million. Um, so we use, you know, it depending on your system, anywhere from 700 parts per million up to like 13, 1400 parts per million. A lot of them use what they call electroconductivity, an EC meter. And it's basically the same, you know, it's reading the strength of your solution. It just uses how much electricity it conducts, which is actually a little more accurate of a measure than dissolved solids. They used to not have it, but now a lot of the perpetual systems have where they actually read, you know, how much phosphorus, how much potassium, how much um, nitrogen is in the actual solution. And they'll actually add the individual amounts, you know, so you can keep a running system. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I've been experimenting with it for a couple of years and I've got a like a small little deep water culture, a five gallon bucket. Uh And I've learned over the years how important pH level is. I mean, for for, what would you say for most crops, they've got to be between five and seven. Five, yeah, try and stay between 5.5 and 6.5. Six is perfect. Some things, you know, like a little more acidic, something like tomatoes, some things like a little more base. But generally, if you stay between 5.5 and 6.5 on the pH scale, you're, you're, you're fine. And that the, the pH scale basically kind of describes where most of the nutrients are going to be available, right? Like most of the nutrients are going to be available between 5 and 7. So at 6, that's where those plants are going to have most of those nutrients that they can soak up in their roots. Correct, correct. And I always tell people it's always better to be low than to be high. They'll survive low. The minute it gets over 7, you hit starting 7.5, you'll start to see your plants dying pretty fast. Gotcha. Um, so there's a bunch of different types of hydroponic systems, too. Like you've got wick systems, you've got deep water culture, you've got aeroponics. What what do you have experience working with in terms of types of hydroponic systems? Uh, we, we try and keep a little of everything in here. I've got a, um, we got a, a small salad system that is just straight cracky. You know, they use no pumps, no electricity, no air stones. It's just basically your plants sit in a simple solution. Um, it does really good on greens and greens, uh, lettuce, that type of thing, anything non-flowering. I've got some that are just in cocoa car and fabric pots. You know, it's just soilless. You know, we feed it with hydroponic solutions. So it's basically like having dirt pot, except you, you get a lot more control over your feed. We sell deep water culture buckets. Those are my favorite. I mean, there's nothing easier than a DWC bucket. It's good for growing, you know, generally like one plant, you know, one good size plant, tomatoes, peppers, that kind of thing. Even though I have seen people growing greens in them. We also have an aeroponic system in here. Not my favorite system, but I think it could be improved on the one that I have. It's difficult. If uh, someone wants to, if you want to run aeroponics, you better be prepared to camp out with your system. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, so w- with aeroponics, um, instead of sitting in like a large water bath or instead of the water just kind of flowing through there, it's got a sprinkler in there, right? Correct. Yes. We've got a, uh, we got aeroponic cloner we use that it's got sprinkler heads in it, you know, miniature sprinkler heads. You know, and you put a cutting in there and it's actually the fastest way to root a cutting. You can get a rooted cutting in seven days doing that. 
Um, I've also got a rainforest system, which has like a spinning type of uh, like pump. It doesn't really pump it. It like spins it up and it creates a fine mist in the, in the big chamber, you know, just out of the reservoir. And the roots just dangle in it. It's pretty much the roots are just getting drenched with a nutrient rich mist. It's not a constant mist, right? Like it's every couple of seconds or a couple of minutes where it's kind of depositing that, that mixture. Depending on the system, mine runs constantly. Uh, a lot of the mister buckets they sell, they sell a lot of deep water culture mister buckets that just have misters. And those you'd want to run intermittently because on a system like that, you run it through like a straight, you know, um, what do you call it, an induction pump. Your, your nutrient solution is going to get too hot. That's why they go to intermittent misting. Okay. And I've heard, um, I haven't heard this in a while. I think I looked it up in 2017 that hydroponics saves about 70% more water over the life cycle of the plant compared to regular crops. Is that right? Or kind of still ballpark around the same amount? That is true. Very true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I guess because you're not losing so much due to just runoff and evaporation because most of them are going to be indoors or the water source is going to be in a closed loop where it's, it can't evaporate, right? Correct. Correct. Even outdoors, you keep it in a closed system. So, yeah, they have much less loss through evaporation. So what about what about the lights? I know a lot of people have been using LED lights. I know back in the day, you used to have to buy these really big, expensive bulbs that were like three or four hundred dollars. But now you can buy on Amazon, these little LED lights, correct? They kind of give off the certain wavelengths that the plants need? Oh, yes, yes. LEDs have totally changed the game. Like I said, when we first started off, you had metal halides and high-pressure sodium bulbs. The high-pressure sodium you used for flower, and they're more of a reddish spectrum, and the halides are more of a bluish-white spectrum, better for vegetative growth. But now you get you can buy LEDs, and they've come down considerably in price. We sell some of the more expensive ones. We sell some of the cheaper ones. But they all work pretty good, and you can get a tailored, uh, you know, a tailored light spectrum right for your plant. And just the lack of heat and the lack of electricity makes them just you know fantastic to use. So what kind of plants do best for hydroponics? I know um, one of my favorite rides at Disney is the land. They got all the um, hydroponics and aquaponics. And it seems like they've got watermelon. They've got regular lettuce. They've got a lot of different types of plants growing hydroponically. But, I mean, it seems like you can use different systems to grow whatever. But what kind of plants grow best in hydroponic environments? Leafy greens. Anything that actually grows and fruits above ground works well. The only thing that you do have trouble with, and people have done it, is, you know, root vegetables, carrots, radishes, you know, potatoes, beets, even though it can be done, it just doesn't work quite as well. Yeah, I, I, t I tried um, a sweet potato years ago. I was like, you know, what? I don't have any lettuce. Let me just put it in, in there and see what happens. About a week went by and I was trying to feel around, trying to find the potato and it was just all mushy. So it had just completely melted away. So I was like, all right, that's not going to work. They came out clear once. But I do have a customer, before I say that, that does grow beets. He grows beets in a deep water. Well, he turned his deep water culture into a duck bu Dutch bucket system where it just kind of flows through intermittently, you know, Dutch, your, your deep water culture bucket. And he's grown some beautiful beets, but they kind of grow half out. So I think that's probably why it's successful. Wow, that's that's not pretty, that's pretty yeah. good. Um, I'll have to try out some beets then. Um, yeah, what would you say, are your consumers mostly kind of hydroponic experts do you have any people that are trying to start a company or trying to start like a greenhouse or something what's kind of the demographics of your customers it's all over the place i get you know beginners in here that you know like me that just went to epcot center fell in love with hydroponics you know and just had to get into it i got people that you know fairly knowledgeable but i got i got several commercial customers that are growing greens microgreens lettuce that type of thing what would you say are like some main advantages and disadvantages to hydroponics i mean obviously you can you, inside, you can grow them year-round. You can grow them no matter where you are, your climate. What, what would you say are some different advantages and also some disadvantages of them? 
Uh, advantages are you can completely control your environment, uh, less pest problems because generally it's indoors. You know, you keep it isolated. A lot less water usage, growing much faster. Um, they always say if you grow herbs in hydroponic, you get 40% more essential oils. So you get much stronger herbs, you know, growing in hydroponics. Uh, faster production, you can you can half your vegetative time, you know, from vegetative to flowering using hydroponics. And just even more control, much more control over your system than you do in, in, in soil and the, out, relying on the sun. Um, as far as disadvantages, that your startup costs are going to be, you know, much higher than if you're just, you know, dirt farming. You know, the equipment runs, it's gotten cheaper over the years, but it's still fairly expensive, fairly expensive startup costs. Um, you have to climate control because you, you can't run a hydroponic system if your nutrient water is over 75 degrees, which is a real, you know, that's a, it causes a lot of difficulty in Florida. But, you know, it can be done. Different types of pathogens you can get in the water. You can wipe out a whole system. And unfortunately, it's happened. We just had recently had a big basil blight. And everybody has a whole lot of commercial uh, basils growing hydroponically, and all of a sudden it wiped, completely wiped out people's basil crops. And it was all it was all waterborne illness. I guess mainly the startup costs, you know, and temperature control, you know, and you know, fine tuning your nutrients and your system. I guess those would be the main disadvantages. Yeah, I learned. I tried to start one in our garage, and I learned after a while that I, because we couldn't control the temperature in there, that's why it kept failing over and over again. So yeah. Those are some really good points. So you wanted to talk about kind of like how commercial hydroponics is going on right now and kind of the future of it. On social media, anywhere you can see all these different hydroponic or aquaponic businesses getting started up. I know Elon Musk's brother, I think, invested or started some company that is starting hydroponic farms in shipping containers. And they're putting them in urban areas and that's how they're growing produce locally and delivering it. And it's such a cool idea. I watched this video and they had all these little vertical LED strips, and I think they were growing lettuce and basil and a bunch of other stuff. So what are your thoughts on the whole commercial hydroponic industry right now? It's, it's, it's completely wide open right now. Um, that What you're talking about, the shipping container gardens, there's all kinds of places out there. In fact, one of my commercial guys actually uses one. Same thing, LED strips. They use simple shelves, you know, and, and for microgreens and lettuce, I mean, you, you can put out gorgeous produce anywhere um they, they become very popular in alaska produce any kind of produce that you that you got to get shipped in is just horrible i mean you know by the time it gets there it's, it's pretty beat and it's you know it's five times what, what we pay for it down here so a lot of them are going to shipping container gardening up there you know just to supply fresh produce and there's there's definitely a commercial market for it yeah and it's it's wide open one of the thing, one of the ones that really interests me as far as commercial hydroponics is they they've started coming up with what they call zero impact greenhouses where the greenhouse are completely run by solar power everything they grow is composted back down into compost tea and used as nutrients so it has like no there's there's no discharge at all from these i mean no carbon footprint whatsoever and they're growing just you know fantastic amounts of tomatoes wow yeah that's really cool um i've seen this i, I can't remember where it is in france but there's some area on the northern beaches of France somewhere, I believe, or Southern. And it's just this huge area that has these greenhouses full of hydroponically grown tomatoes. And it's just like the satellite images of it just look like it's all snowy. But as you zoom in more and more, it's all greenhouses where they're growing tomatoes hydroponically year round. And it's really, really cool. But yeah, the shipping containers are such a really cool idea. I mean, nobody uses them a lot. Like sometimes they'll get used for a couple of years and they just dump them or throw them away or whatever. And then you're having all these investors in big old urban areas buy them up as farms. So it's a really cool idea. Yes, you can get, I think the price, 
on those very, but it's usually around forty, fifty thousand dollars. You can get one fully equipped, ready to go. That's not bad. I mean, that's pretty no. good. But yeah, kind of like you were saying, the startup cost is kind of up there. But I mean, that's pretty good for a whole system that's kind of self-sustained with the solar power and yes. making their own compost. Uh, so, so what about aquaponics? Kind of the combination of aquaculture growing fish with hydroponics. You have any experience with growing some aquaponic systems? We sell one small system. Uh, it basically, you just put a couple of betas or goldfish in it, and it's got like net cups on the top where, where, where you, know, you grow herbs in it. Um, it's definitely the way of the future. I mean, there, there's a huge amount of interest in aquaponics. Basically, you're just using your fish as your nutrient solution. And uh, if you've ever done any kind of fish tanks, basically the whole trick of aquaponics is getting enough plants that'll clean your fish water and getting enough fish that'll feed your plants. So you basically have to start, got to get enough fish in there where you start your nitrogen cycle. And then, you know, once you get that going, then then your plants will feed off it. You know, it turns the nitrates i'm sorry nitrites and the nitrates what the plants can feed off so you know it's a long process to get it started but once you get them started you can just you know go forever and you've got your own you know self-sustaining fish and uh, and produce what would you say are the most popular fish breeds out there or types of fish i know tilapia is a big one what are some other big types of fish that are kind of really popular with aquaponics tilapia is one uh, unfortunately there's a lot of regular you use tilapia there's a lot of regulations as far as what you can. You know, there's uh, certain breeds of tilapia, especially here in Florida. Um, another one is catfish. People like to use catfish. And surprisingly, a big one is crayfish. A lot of people use crayfish as their for their livestock. Oh, wow. Did not know about that. Yeah. How do you think that, just kind of off the wall, how do you think that kind of commercial aquaponics could kind of co- compete, especially here in Florida, with like natural fisheries, how do you think those two could maybe compete against each other and maybe kind of find, I don't know, like a good little ecosystem where both could kind of flourish? Oh, yeah, I think it's definitely, I think it's the way of the future. I mean, we're going to have to start farming our own fish. I mean, you look at all the problems we have with red tide and things like that. Yes, I mean, to me, it's definitely how we're going to have to start doing things. I mean, we're going to have to start farming fish. We're going to have to start, we can't keep dumping all these phosphates, you know, and phosphorus into our soils. I mean, it's this runoff that's causing the red tide. So, yeah, I definitely think, you know, we're going to have to be much smarter on how we do things and much more efficient. But, yeah, obviously aquaponics is, you know, it's just a continuous cycle. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so how did you find out about hydroponics? Like, how did you kind of get interested in it? Um, 20 years ago, we went to, uh, I've always, I'd always been in fish, into fish tanks, saltwater tanks, and I had gone to Epcot Center and I just, you know, saw their hydroponics set up and fell in love with it. And we came home that next week and we started, built an ebb and flow table, you know, I just read up on it and it, we built our own Evan flow table out of bus tub trays and Rubbermaid totes. And I bought a lights and just started from there. <laughs> a couple of years later, I have four or five lights and I got systems all over the place. And just absolutely loved it. I always tell people one advantage of hydroponics is, is, is I'm a wheelchair user, you know, and, and as I became more and more disabled, I wasn't able to do as much outdoor gardening. But like I tell everybody, I can work every system I got in the store from a, a wheelchair. So, I mean, it's, it's perfect for older people or anybody with any kind of physical difficulties. Hey, there you go. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up, too. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, and thank goodness for Disney. I mean, Disney, I'm, there's no telling how many people that that ride has just inspired with all the really cool systems. Exactly. Every time I go, my wife is like, all right, let's go on the land. And I'm just pumped like we're about to ride a roller coaster or something. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. I've seen, have you, you, have you done anything like growing trees? I've seen some people that set up systems where they grow citrus trees in these really big, kind of hydroponic pots a little bit but they've got a lot more gravel and inert material so do you have any experience with that 
No, I have a customer that does. He grows, he goes fruit trees, and he starts them. And like we we're talking about, uses cocoa coir and you know a gravel base. And the big thing is that you can get through what normally would take you three years. You can get through in a year and a half to get its initial growth to where it's starting to get up to production level. Um, but yeah, that, that that's going to be used more and more. In fact, they're starting to do it on banana trees. Same thing, because it usually takes three to four years for a banana tree to start producing, and you can cut that time down to a year and a half by starting them, you know, hydroponically. Um, the only problem is, is obviously you have to use very big, you know, media bases, you know, generally at least a 20 to 50 gallon pot to even, you know, think about doing it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And would, would those be outside or could you still do those indoors? You could do those indoors. A lot of them do them in greenhouses just to control a little more, but yeah, you could definitely do that one outdoors. There are certain systems, you know, that you can do outdoors. And a lot of the people I know that are very successful doing outdoor hydroponics, they've got a reservoir buried. So you bury it in the ground deep enough and you get a 65 degree temperature on it. And it's easier, much easier to control your temperature that way. That's pretty smart. I'm, I never thought about burying it in the ground a little bit to kind of help control the temperature of it. That's a smart idea. All right. Well, Michael, this has been a really cool conversation about all things hydroponics. I mean, is there anything else you would want to touch base on? Any cool facts or tidbits or if anybody wanted to get start in with a little hydroponic garden? Just that. You can it, it can be whatever you want it to be. It can be as hydroponics can be as simple as just setting a screen cup into a, a canning jar with nutrient solution, or it can be as you know complicated as a, a 10 tube nutrient film system that you know you're, you're growing everything in the world under. You know, it's just what however you want it to be. And I've got the full range of you know customers, you know, and we try and serve people that want just want to come in and buy a system and set up, and we sell the parts here also so you can make your own. And and to me, one of the most satisfying parts of hydroponics is making your own system. I, I strongly urge people to do that. If you want to get in the hobby, do a little research, you know, on YouTube. Um, you know, look at some of the videos of some of the systems out there. You know, and just take a shot and make your own because you'll save yourself a lot of money and it's much more satisfying growing in something you built. Yeah, absolutely. Some first projects that I've seen on YouTube are people just take an old Folgers can and they cut a hole in the very top plastic part and they put a sponge up there and then they get the plant, wash the roots off, and just boom, like it's like a five cent little system you got going on there. Um, so yeah, tell us more about Panhandle Hydroponics. If people want to get in touch with you guys, or if they're in the Panama City area, if they want to stop by there, where can they go? Where can they find y'all? Oh, we are on Back Beach Road, right next to the big Harley Davidson dealer. Um, it is Gulf Drive Properties. You'll see our sign out front. Um, there's a couple of printing shops. We're, we're right down the road from Print Press, uh, Ruthless Cycles. There's a, several um, several businesses in here. Uh, about half mile north of Pier Park. Um, we've got all kinds of live displays here. If you just want to come in and look around, I got people that come in and just look at the displays. I got people come in and talk about hydroponics, just, you know, just trying to feel it out and see if it's right for them. So, you know, don't feel like you got to come in here and buy anything. I, I can talk about hydroponics all day, obviously. Um, it is my passion. And, you know, if you just want to learn a little something about it, come on in and I'll, I'll show you what we got and show you how it works. Are you guys on social media at all? Correct. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're at panel, panhandlehydroponics.com. Um, our real easy, our uh, email address is panhandlehydroponics at yahoo.com. And we've also got a Facebook page, Panhandle Hydroponics. All right. Well, we'll be sure to link all that and stuff. Um, well, Michael, this has been great. Thank you so much. I love talking about hydroponics to basically anybody. I love geeking out over it. Yes. Um, <laughs> off to swing over by there in a few days to pick up some nutrients and probably get some more pointers because my systems are always struggling. So, Excellent. well, Mike, well, Michael, well, thank you for being on. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Trevor. You have a good day. Likewise.
Hey everyone, we're trying to make things easier for you to listen to the podcast. We are now a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, and that means you can now find us on an additional platform. We're now available on the Waypoint app on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire Stick, smart TVs like Samsung, and even game systems. While you're on there, check out over 2,500 of the best hunting and fishing shows and short films, download the app, and watch and listen anywhere.